Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brand. In this episode, we're discussing SST 119, the St. Vitus 12 inch EP, Thirsty and Miserable. So get out your black candles, your bandanas, and your bullet belts. Yes. Because, Brant, we've got a special guest. Yeah, Dave Chandler's on the podcast. Great guy, eh? Oh, yeah. Totally, man. Yeah. It's a it's a great interview about um, around this time, but a lot of SST people that we've spoken about in the past. Um, Dave dropped some knowledge on that and uh, a really great... Uh, account of that era and what it was like to tour and all that kind of stuff. So a great interview. Yeah, for sure. So do you have your, uh, do you have your bullet belt on Brant or maybe at least your sleeveless jean jacket at no, least? No, they're both hanging up in the closet. Sorry, man. I'm totally unprepared uh, tonight. Yeah. Pretty, pretty disappointed there. <laughs> well, anyways, listen, I have an idea for a spiel here that I worked up, um, but should you go first or should I go first? You should go first. Alrighty then. The theme for my spiel is covers. Okay. Since I like how all our spiels have themes now. Not all of them. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, hey, I gotta th- I gotta think up something here. By the way, you know, I will say to my listeners, there's no to who to your listeners, to my listeners, Brand, to okay. my listeners, yeah. All joking aside, there's no better way to social distance than to binge listen to You Don't Know Mojack. So everyone, I would recommend you do that. On to my theme. Thanks for letting your listeners know that. Yeah, yours can yours can <laughs> binge listen to whatever. Anyways. Yeah, mine have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, since we've got... a the thirsty and miserable 12 inch i was thinking of cover songs and or and cover uh recordings of sst bands and stuff like that so okay. i i thought i would list off i did i kind of looked through my collection and uh did a bit of bit of google machining and uh mentioned some notable sst cover or tribute uh, recordings or seven inches or whatever that came to mind and see if see how many I've missed that would okay. come to your mind because I'm sure you got got you gotta one up me on my list when I'm done okay okay good idea here we go in no particular order except some of them are in an order first of all this thirsty and miserable um, recording reminded me of Lemmy's version of thirsty and miserable on the great rise above black flag tribute it, there is um sorry to interrupt but if you, I'm sure you've listened to this, Ryan, and probably most of our listeners have too, but there's a great Henry and Heidi podcast where they, Henry does like a tribute to Lemmy and they talk about that recording session and it, there's some pretty hilarious stuff in there. Oh yeah, you bet. Um, so I went right after this Rise Above one, straight to the Minutemen tribute, D. Boone and Minutemen tribute, Our Band Could Be Your Life. That's a classic actually when it comes to, and I'm not really a big tribute or cover album guy but there's a few on this list that are pretty darn good and those first two are really good there's uh there's a couple of husker do ones there's do huskers or do huskers the twin cities replays and arcade yeah i have that one there's also a seven inch of do huskers where um the hang-ups and vertigo do eight miles high and masochism world there's another Husker Du one called Case Closed, an international compilation of Husker Du cover songs. That's a pretty good comp as well. Yet another Husker Du 7-inch one called Something to Do, a tribute to Husker Du, and that's on Dead Broke Records. That should be a tribute to The Replacements. <laughs> yeah. Going on to Black Flag tributes, there's one on or a couple on Bandcamp, the CVLT Nation Sessions. There's one where bands do all of Slip It In and another where they do all of My War. Hmm. There's also that uh, Black on Black tribute to Black Flag right? from 2002. We've mentioned on the show as well where that band Easy Tiger does the Blasting Concept 2. That's on Bandcamp. Then let's go to some Descendants tributes. Wasn't there a band a band that did My War too? 
there may have been a band. It's not that. It's not the CVLT Nation Sessions. No, Maybe there's another one. There is, yeah. Somebody hipped it to us way a long time ago, and I can't remember who it is, but it was really good. Shit, what was it? Yeah, I don't know. Wait wait until the end when you're supposed to one-up me anyways. <laughs> so, uh, Descendants Tributes. There's one called Either Or Sucks on Bandcamp. Filter Magazine put out one called Songs of the Descendants, where Mike Watt and the Second Men are on it and actually do the song Kabuki Girl. There's uh, the one called Homage or Homage. Lots of bands doing the Descendants song on Coolidge Records. That's all I've got for Descendants. And then there's uh, Bad Brains Tributes. There's one called Never Give In from 99. Also one called Tribute to Bad Brains on VJ Records from Japan. Hmm. Now, completely out of order, I'm going back to another one for uh, Black Flag, the one I mentioned before called Gimme, 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 reinterpreting Black Flag, which has members of Black Flag on it. Right, that's the country one or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, last but not least, and I think I'm at around 17 or 18 uh, tribute or cover albums for SST. Now, I was on the fence as to whether these are cover albums because it's Mike Watt and the Missing Men doing those two missing the Minutemen 10 inches. Hmm. But I, I was kind of like, eh, if Gimme, Gimme, Gimme can be on the list, then so can these two missing men 10 inches where they cover the Minutemen. So there. Cool, man. That's my covers and tributes list hmm. themed spiel. Which ones am I missing? Well, I was just, I don't know. I was waiting for you to say, you know, Dinosaur Jr., Screaming Trees, Sonic Youth. Meat Puppets. I would be surprised if there was no tribute albums for some of those bands, considering like how many tribute bands came albums came out in like the early two thousands. Yeah, I don't recall seeing those ones. Yeah. maybe they exist. No, I don't know. I'm just but like I've got a few. I've got a few like I guess maybe more obscure tribute discs that like there's a tribute to Seaweed that I really like, a tribute to Jawbox that I really like. But I'm not familiar with those other ones, if they exist. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying every band seemed to get a tribute album for a while there. You know, those are some pretty big bands. Yeah, and I'm not even going into just random cover tracks on a on a record. Like the, that band, that Australian band, I think they're Australian, the Eastern Dark, do a great Descendants song, for example. And there's tons and tons and tons, but I'm thinking like kind of made sense to get into some covers or tributes i'd be interested though like if you can't think of any others other than that one black flag my war one which the name escapes us now i'd be interested if um our listener well maybe mostly my listeners but maybe your listeners could uh list off some other comps or tributes that didn't make my list here because i would uh, be interested in checking them out well, let's put out the call. And I want to know what, I think it might have been uh, Michael T that hipped us to that My War band. Probably. I didn't, I, yeah. I, I had it in my head that it might have been the CVLT one because I'm like, nah, that's got to be, that's got to be the one. But you're right. There was a band who did it all, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. Good spiel, man. Here's mine. Mine's a podcast shout out. Since everyone's binge, binging stuff right now, it's the Consequence of Sound podcast, The Opus. Do you know it, Ryan? The Consequence of Sound rings a bell for me. Why would I know that? Oh, well, that's like a music blog or website. Or okay. Whatever. They have a number of podcasts on their like network or whatever, but this one's called The Opus. And uh, the host is Andy Bothwell. He's, he's good. Uh, the first three seasons of it had different hosts. Um, Andy's a hip hop guy, so it kind of has an interesting take on a lot of this stuff. I got into it because season five is the Ozzy Osbourne Blizzard of Oz album. And I mean, like, I didn't learn anything listening to it that I didn't already know, but it's really well done, really entertaining. They get, like for the Ozzy one, for example, it's co-presented by Sony. So they have music too, which, I mean, we get a lot of people commenting on our our pages like why don't we play music i mean several reasons there's a there's no way we could pump out an episode a week <laughs> if we were trying to drop music into this b um so much of this stuff is 
unavailable digitally, so it would make it very hard to drop it into episodes, but mainly because uh, we don't have permission to do it, and I'm not sure we would get it, and there's just certain people we don't want to maybe tick off. But when you do listen to podcasts that have music, it definitely adds an extra element to it. I guess we've just always hoped that uh, that people can find other ways to listen along. But while recognizing that uh, that can be tough for some of these episodes. But anyways, season six of this podcast, The Opus, is all on London Calling. Oh, no way. Yeah. And the latest season, Ryan, this is a tie-in with our our spiel from last week. Uh, is a the latest season is on Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So there you go. Check that out, the opus. And then I just have a follow-up here from uh, one of our listeners, Nick Schultz. This is regarding Henry Kaiser. Henry Kaiser was our guest last week. We got a great reaction to him. People loved hearing from Henry. Um, here's from Nick. Something you should look for that is definitely worth your time is the Werner Herzog film Encounters at the End of the World, which Kaiser produced. It's a documentary about that Antarctica scuba diving project of his, and Kaiser, of course, did the soundtrack for the film and is featured in the film itself as well as the DVD extras, including in the director commentary track. As with everything Herzog, it's pretty fantastic. Henry has worked with Herzog on other projects as well, on soundtracks, and he used some of his underwater footage in a super bizarre film he called he did called Wild Blue Yonder. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Thanks, Nick, for sending that in. Yeah, nice. Something for our listeners to check out if uh, you're sitting around at home self-isolating and you want to <laughs> dig into some Henry, Henry Kaiser. That's it for me, Ryan. Should we get into the St. Vitus record? Yeah, man. History Lesson, Part 1. All right. Thirsty and Miserable, Brand. We were uh, yeah. we were last talking about St. Vitus on Born Too Late, SST82. Uh, but we started way back with their self-titled record at SST22. Then we had The Walking Dead at SST42 and Hallow's Victim at 52. And so this is our fifth dose of vitus yeah our second ep by the band because this will be the second recording session uh where they recorded more tracks they could than they could use yeah and if you want to hear about the recording sessions for this you should check out episode 82 born too late uh where we talk hopefully if i'm remembering a little bit about the recording sessions what we could dig up anyways um the band of course mark adams on bass, Armando Acosta on drums, Dave Chandler on guitar, and Scott Weinrich, a.k.a. Wino, on vocals. This releases a 12-inch EP on vinyl. It also came out on cassette, and the tracks repeat on both sides of the cassette, just like Rain and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's also, t- it's also tacked onto the end of the born too late cd do you want to maybe kick it over to our interview with dave yeah all right we're joined on the podcast by dave chandler dave how's it going today hey what's up man how you doing you're doing good thanks so we're on this 12 inch ep thirsty and miserable oh yeah okay (laughs) on that one yeah we're on that one so i'm curious were these three tracks recorded at the same time as born too late yeah, it's kind of like with SST, and actually back in everything in those days, uh, you were limited to what you could fit on a vinyl record, because like CDs were, like for that, there were CDs, but like our first CD was born too late, so yeah, so we those were extra songs, so yeah, it was, it was all, it was the same session, yeah. So that was at Total Access in Redondo, which I believe might have been one of the last sessions at Total Access. We haven't seen them for a while on our show. Yeah, it was pretty, I think they had some other, one or two other things that happened, not really much. And then it turned into a rehearsal studio. Oh. And we ended up renting a room in the same place to rehearse, like oh. year, years later. 
And so it was engineered by, let's see, Jim Mancuso and Mike Lardy. Well, um, yeah, Jim Mancuso was, um, I'm not really sure a whole lot of what he did. Mike Lardy was the in-house engineer that ran the board, that basically knew how to run the board. Okay. Yeah, and um, I thought that Joe Carducci was still the producer on that. Yeah, he produced it. Yeah. So the other guy was just probably someone who like worked at the place or something. Yeah. You know, cause every, you know how it is. We'd go into a studio. There's always like three or four people. So right. We always like to give everybody like name credit because they're like, oh, cool. You know? For sure. So do you remember the sessions? Do you know how long you were in there? Um, actually, Born Too Late was probably, which Born Too Late slash 13 Invisible EP. Right. That was all one session to me because um, we were in there all at the same time. Uh, that was one of the longer ones. It was like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. SST was not into being in the studio a long time, and neither was I. Right. You know, if you do it in one take, done, move on, you know. It seems like a lot and, of this stuff would have probably been done live on the floor. Yeah, pretty much. But by that time, uh, when we were doing that EP, uh, it was kind of one of those, like, not really isolation booths, but you, you were you were separated pretty good, and you, we were doing like rhythm track and dubbing, uh, bringing in the leads later, and things like that, as opposed to like the first album and Howl's Victim, which are pretty much just basically live. Right. Howl's Victim obviously has some overdoses. So the first album is just straight out live in the studio, so it it did graduate a bit from there because um, they had like. I, like they had a couple isolation booths, which we put the singer in. I think I went in there for the leads or you know, something like that. Uh, we basically played it like a rehearsal, but then you know how you can redo stuff when it's quiet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we've got three tracks, The End of the End, one of mm-hmm. your songs. I'm pretty sure Look Behind You was a tyrant track. Yeah, it actually, Look Behind You is, the very first song that Tyrant slash St. Vitus ever learned, oh. ever, as a band. And myself and Mark and Armando, with me yelling you know, like way before we even thought of a singer, that was the very first song we ever got together and did. Okay. And The Psychopath was the second one. But, uh, yeah, and we have, uh, and Look Behind You was never on a Vitus record. It was only on um, The Blasting Concepts Volume 2, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with and on so, vocals. yeah, with, with Scotty on vocals. That was like the original version. Right. And so, and we had been doing it live. So um, we actually, that actually is on there because we did need another track. Mm, okay. And it's like, well, let's just do Look Behind You with Wino. We've been doing it. Yeah. Right. The End of the End and Look Behind You in particular are one of kind of your like horror-themed songs, like Zombie Hunger, The Walking Dead, the awesome new track, City Park. Um, who's the horror guy? Are you the horror guy? Obviously, you're writing yeah, the Yeah, well, yeah, I wrote everything, yeah. yeah. I mean, Look Behind You is kind of like, yeah, the, the crazy psycho guy running behind you until you always have to look because, you know, it's just fucked up. Yeah. But uh, the end of the end, uh, I didn't get a horror thing out of that. To me, that's more of a sci-fi fan. Yeah, it but is. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm I wrote all the, all that shit, so yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the freak. And then, of course, probably the most well known track off here is your cover of "Thirsty and Miserable." Had you been doing yeah. that for a while? Not really. We wanted to. I always wanted personally to do a cover song, right? And we never could agree on one. And we kind of always agree. We always thought that was funny because it kind of related to us. Mm-hmm. Armando wasn't too happy because he wasn't really a punk rock fan. And uh, we found it very interesting because we asked SST, actually Dez, because he wrote the song, how come no one's ever done a Black Flag cover? And they said, because Greg Ginn won't allow it. Okay. And I was like, well, we want to do this. And Des goes, well, that's my song. Go ahead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. You know, and certain people in SSC thought that was great. Certain people didn't, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
No, you said uh, Armando wasn't a punk rocker. You're wearing a Germs shirt on the cover of this album, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I would actually none of us were. Well, none of us were when we started because punk rock wasn't around. Well, we started in '78, so punk rock was. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. When we finally uh, listened to it, myself and Mark and Scotty really liked it. Like Scotty was friends with um, Roger Rogerson from the Circle Jerks. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, like b- before he was in the band, they were like friends, friend friends, like hanging around or whatever. And so we kind of got to introduce that way, plus um, our original bass player when Mark was doing rhythm guitar was Michael Corsio. Okay, who, um, yep, the three Yeah, he was yep. in the, yeah, yes, yes, and Salvation Army. He lived down the street from the Dickies. Okay. So he, that was the first punk rock that uh, myself and uh, Mark uh, went to see first, first punk rock show because he knew them. And he goes, hey, we, I want to take you to heavy metal guys to see you. I was, okay. And so, you know, we got on the list and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, because we were like, people in there with long hair. Like, this is so weird. And I fell in love and so did Mark. We're like, this is great. You know, we came really close to doing the whole fuck this metal thing, we're going full punk. <laughs> but, you know, but we didn't, and which is good because we ended up being the weirdos that Black Flag liked. So. Yeah. Well, still kind of a coming from a punk rock angle, though. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. Well, we always were because we never had anybody backing us, which right. is what punk rock was, at least in Southern California. No one had a record company or if you were lucky if somebody like Slash Records or something, or like us, SSC, you like, oh my God. But like when Black Flag started, there was nothing. So you just did every single solitary thing yourself. So, and we did that. And I think that's one of the things, well, I know that's one of the things that endeared us to the punk rock community, you know, fans and other bands, is we were exactly like them, except our music was, different and we look different other than that we were exactly the same we partied the same we suffered the same we were broke just like them you know so by this point in 1987 is that starting to change a little bit where you're like you're really starting to see a more diverse crowd maybe at your shows and be a little like more accepted well yeah by then we had already uh gone through what myself and mark like and scotty like to call the punk rock wars right those were like from 82 to when Scotty quit, which would be 86. We were just, in 86 when Scotty quit, we were already accepted. So Wino didn't go through many of the like really brutal, like violent kind of show things. So yeah, we were definitely, by the time that came out, 13 Miserable EP, we were definitely like right in the click with them. And and they re- the punk rockers really got off on the Thursday festival thing because they thought that was funny as hell. <laughs> so you know, yeah. So by then we were it was definitely actually we were not doing any heavy metal shows at all because the heavy metal hair people hated us. So the only time anyone would see Saint Vitus because we hadn't gone to Europe yet. So the only time anyone would ever see Saint Vitus was at a punk rock show. Right. I guess I never yeah, thought of that. By by this point, you're starting to probably see Sunset Strip flash metal type bands show up. Oh, I mean, yeah, there was all it was, that was like total garbage, and, and everyone hated it. that. That I think that's another reason the uh, punk rockers were dear to us is because we hated that as much as they did. Right. <laughs> but we did not play that you know style of music. We played something you weren't supposed to do, right. just like them. Tell me about the Born Too Thirsty tour. That's like my favorite name ever for a tour, by the way. Um, was it just you guys out by yourselves, or did you did you have other band, uh, another band on the road with you? That was 1987, right? Yeah. Yeah, we opened for the Mentors. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was like, a, what was it, 62 shows in 65 days. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty fucked up <laughs> but you know that's that's what you do and it, we went everywhere we didn't go into canada i actually think the reason was it was because the mentors couldn't get in right yeah because at that time everybody was doing as much as you could you know doing everything yourselves but yeah that was uh 
that was the Born Too Thirsty tour. Because Born Too Late and Thirsty and Miserable, like we just discussed, uh, were recorded at the same time. There just wasn't enough room to put it all on on the vinyl. Right. And there wasn't enough to take up enough room to do a double album. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're out on the road with the mentors. What's that like? Tell me everything that happened. Don't leave anything out. <laughs> well, no, we don't have that much. No, it was actually, to make a huge long story short, it was pretty much what you would think, with the exception of the whole persona of the mentors was fabricated by everyone else, like El Ducci's an asshole. He's a fuck-up. He's a pain in the ass. That's 100% wrong. Yeah. He was the one dude who was on point the whole fucking time, and, and except for right before shows. Okay. Then he would get wasted to be El Duce. Right, right. But He's... like other than that, he was fine. And the sicky wife beater was the problem. And uh, it was Ed um, Ed Danky was the bass player for you. Oh, Papa Sneaky Sperm Shooter was his name. So called... Ed was in the band at this point. Yeah, Ed Denke was the yeah. band, yeah, because um, he then wouldn't tour with them. He okay. would only play shows in L.A. at that time. And which was ironic, because at the end of that fucking stupid hardcore madness tour, everyone hated each other. There was one L.A. show book, and he played it. <laughs> I was like, dude, you didn't even go through the, the shit with the rest of us, you know? It's like everyone was ready to kill each other. Inner bands and, you know, except for El Duce, everyone loved him, except for his band. Right. <laughs> like, man, you guys all suck. LBK's fucking great, you know. And he really was. I'm not just saying that because it's him, but he really was the one guy who was not a problem. Mm. You know, I tell people that, and they go, no, you don't remember it right. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I was there. Hmm. Yeah, we know uh, Ed Danke from Worm. We've talked about talked about him from the Worm days. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I guess, well, you know, he was always around scene with everybody he was in another band i can't think of what it was before worm but he was always like one of those guys you would see everywhere so it was like you know perfect for him because he wore a hood nobody cared the mentors fans didn't care there was one point on that tour when um there was such a huge mess with with uh sicky everyone was pissed that the mentors ditched him and just left him out of a motel somewhere with no money, no nothing. Just fucking ditched him. We went on to do the shows. Like, how are we going to do this? So Wino put on a hood and played bass, learned like, they did like a five-song set or something. And he learned all them songs, you know. Right. And uh, Danky played guitar. And Wino was called, uh, what was it, uh, Sword Lord Cunnilingus. <laughs> so until Sticky was able to somehow hitchhike or whatever, to get back to where the next show was, Wino was the fucking part of the mentors. So, you know, it was extremely chaotic. But, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was one that it was, it's something that you can't write. For sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. 62 shows in 65 days. That's nuts. That, that's that's a rough, but it was, yeah. it was 65 days. It might have been, it was, it was definitely 60 days. Yeah. But we're thinking, you know, I don't remember having any days off, but, you know. And that's global it was, booking? It was, I'm not sure if Global did that or if the Mentors people did. I think Global did that. Yeah. That one I'm not sure because the Mentors were headlining. Right, so yeah. I'm not positive of that. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Broyce, or uh, uh, what's his name? Broy. Uh, he speaks on it a little bit in uh, the Mentors movie that came out. Okay. Now, I need to know about the Thirsty Club. Was it a live music venue? I've never seen it on any gig posters or, or anything. No, it's, it was this, uh, that was in Torrance, California. It was this bar, just a, a little bar on the corner that, you know, the people in the neighborhood went to. And we always would, it was on a, a real major street. We always, you know, when you're going from here to there, you're driving past it. And I always thought that that was a great name for a lot. Right. <laughs> and so when this happened, I was like, I wonder if this little tiny bar would allow us to do this. So we just walked in and asked him. And uh, the bartender was like, well, let me call the owner, blah, blah, blah. And he came down. And he goes, sure. 
Um, you're not going to do anything weird, are you? We told him what we were going to do exactly as you see the photos. Yeah. So that's fine. He didn't even ask us for any money or nothing. You know, and we got, we told him we were going to, you know, do the spray paint on the front because of the song. We played him the song, and he was like, well, I don't care. <laughs> there was no one in the bar, and we were drinking. So he was like, yeah, go for it, you know. And the really, really ironic thing about it, because, you know, in those days, there was no cell phones or nothing at all. Some old woman who was what we call a busybody right. was driving down the street and saw us posed for the back cover and pulled over to a payphone and called the police <laughs> because these drunk people were on the sidewalk in front of this little bar. Right. <laughs> and so the cops show up, you know, and we're like, uh, we have permission. And the owner comes out and he says, it's okay. And one of the cops knew Armando because they were police together back right. in Venice years before he was in the band. <laughs> yeah. Acosta, is that you? And the mom goes, hey, Sergeant so-and-so. <laughs> Lucky break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It must have been small. The street address is 2705 and a half. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very small. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was a huge major street, but it's one of them things um, in California where there's like seven stores in a block, so they all have like tabs on them. Okay, one of my favorite things about the signage around the Thirsty Club is the sign that says "Open at six a.m." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't um, in California. You could you could open that early. And then you and uh, and you had to be closed before two. Oh, okay. So they were like, "We're going to get the people before they go to work." Crowd, you know. <laughs> Some places it was seven, but you could push it at six. Yeah. Now, we're on episode. This will be episode one nineteen. So we're we're pretty far in, and we've seen uh, many many photos by Naomi Peterson, but I haven't yet talked to anybody who's uh, really worked with her as closely as you have. I I can't think of another SST band who who she took more photographs of. She was pretty much, um, when she started working with us, she was new at SST. She was one of the, because SST was at, at the one point when we got signed, uh, signed with them, they were in a real small thing in Redondo beach and everybody kind of lived together. And, you know, if somebody needed help, they would help them out and let them stay there. And, you know, that's how Black Flag was. That's how uh, a lot of people working at SST became working at SST. And Naomi was one, and they let her hang out, and and she said she could take photos, so they let her do that. And they kind of, I don't know why, maybe to give her work, they assigned her to us in a way. Okay. And she would just basically... I think every single photo shoot we did with SST, she did. And, you know, and she became a friend and, you know, and uh, that's kind of how it went. And not just because she took photos with us, because, but she was doing so much work with us and people were seeing all these photos she was doing, all these, there's so many that have never been released. Apparently her brother has them, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, was, it was, people were like, well, can we get Naomi? Can we get Naomi? She was real good friends with like me and Mark. Like we hung around together, you know, partied together and got loaded together and stuff. I mean, some of these photos, including this one on the front and back cover, are just iconic. Yeah, yeah. She's taken, there's some crazy, like there's one on my wall that's never been put out that across the street from the Thirsty Club was a veterinarian's place. Okay. And they have a sign that's uh, a special for bathing and dipping for flea control. <laughs> so we posed under that. <laughs> and and she took that. I have that in my living room. That was never made public. It's really funny. I'm picking like fleas out of Mark's hair. And <laughs> was she standing on something when she took this photo? It looks like it's from like standing on a hood oh, of a yeah, car or something. Third, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was standing like in the maybe on the top of my van okay, or something. Yeah. She would do crazy shit like that too. Mm-hmm. 
she's the one who would climb up on the building and lean sideways to get a weird picture of <laughs> Now, you've had Scott and Wino in and out of the band and stuff and swapped out singers, but there's one constant throughout the band's career on all the albums, and that's your guitar tone. So I have to ask you about it. I'm, My guitar sound? Yeah, yeah. It's very unique. You know, it's very St. Vitus, for sure. And <laughs> I know at this time you were probably still playing your SG a lot. Oh, yeah, in the SST days, that's all I did. That's the only guitar I had, so, yeah. Well, I, a couple of different SGs, but, yeah, I only had an SG. Right. And through Marshalls, right? Yeah. Yeah. Through the same Marshall. The, the same one. Time. <laughs> the, the exact same head, everything. The whole the whole time with the SST was the exact same head on all the records, on all the tours. Okay. Never blew a fuse. <laughs> and now you've switched out to a V. Well, I did that. I changed to um, not necessarily flying V. I wanted to have a, a whammy bar that mm. would not go out of tune, which basically it's a Floyd Rose or nothing else, and you can't put that on an SG because the body's too, too thin. Right, yeah. And I put a Kaler on it, but that just goes out of tune like in about a year. It doesn't hold it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I had to have something thick. And, you know, the Schecter is a great guitar, and it was cheap. So okay. I was like, well, there you go. And what about wah pedals? What do you use for, for wah pedals? Crybaby. That's okay. the only thing I've ever used. Yeah. yeah. that That's, like, the best. Yeah. To me, in my opinion, you know, people will argue whatever, but, that you know, I, I use that, and I like electroharmonics for the others. That's what I started with when I was a kid, and that's what I still like uh, do you use a lot of pedals no usually i have um three okay armando of course passed away in 2010 you were mentioning before we started recording here that you were just talking to mark i'm wondering if you can tell me how he's doing um well he's doing as best he can um he's been hit with parkinson's yeah and that's been like messing with him for a while that's why he um left the band he would never have you know it was me and him till the end uh that's the only reason that he wasn't in the band for like the last album is because um of that yeah he uh he had the the shake the tremors from it so bad he wasn't able to like hold notes and stuff Mm. but other than that he's doing okay he's doing the best he can you know it's kind of hard when you've done that for you know like me and him are doing since fucking 1978 yeah, when we start rehearsing and doing live shows in '79, so it's kind of hard to have a disease tell you to fuck off. You can't do this anymore. You know? Yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah, but he's uh, you know he's Mark. He's he's doing the best he can. That's good. So in about forty episodes from now, we're going to get to "Mournful Cries," your last SST record. What are we in store for there? Where does that one fit into your catalog? I think it's okay. It's not one of my favorite St. Vitus records. It does it does highlight Wino playing guitar, and that's not the reason that it's not one of my favorites. Right. But um, that makes it unique because it really he has. I think he's got two two songs on it. Yeah, two like full songs. So that makes it unique. It it was a weird a weird record, kind of trying to do something a bit different because if you listen to it, there's not like a whole lot of like what people call doomy, like slow songs on it. It's got a little bit more bizarre stuff. Okay. I was kind of, at that time, I was just kind of kind of burned out on doing the same thing, and I wanted to do something different. And uh, it didn't work very well, because that <laughs> album didn't do too good. So, <laughs> like, okay. It's like V is a little bit more back to the basics, and, mm-hmm. and it worked a lot better. Your last record, the self-titled one, that must have done well for you for you guys. It was an awesome record. Well, thank you, but it did not. And are you going to actually broadcast everything I say? I don't know. Because I would really like you to broadcast what I'm going to say right now. Then I will, yep. Yeah, well, the reason that that didn't do well for us was because of the record label. Hmm. They killed that album on purpose. That's why most people don't know about it. 
There's so many people in the, in this country in particular that don't know about it. They, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but that owner of that company killed that record. He mm. stopped all publicity on it and refused to put it out while we were on tour. Wow. That's why people, a lot of people don't know about it. That's too bad. It's a great record. No, thank you. I I, I like it. The, the the guys like it, you know. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's why, you know, how there's like, you, never, you haven't seen any interviews with me or anyone else or any articles or anything. That's right. why. Hmm. Uh, they killed it on purpose. But, you know, which is really weird because record companies make an enormous amount more than artists. So you shot yourself in the foot. Why did you do that? That's so stupid. If you really didn't want to deal with this anymore, you know, just end it and make your money. Right. But they refuse to do that. So, hey, whatever. Are you thinking that it was a, a way to get you off the label? No, we wanted to get off the label. I wanted to get off that label. I've been trying for years. Hmm. It was really, really bad. Yeah, they were just, there were so many, so many other things that made them do that. It's like people, you know, people see it, but they don't know about it. They've never been told about it. I, we did a show. No, no, we didn't do a show. We, I went to see the Melvins here in New Orleans. Right. Way after, you know, we had finished the tour and, and finished, you know, just killed the whole thing. And I was talking to Buzz and I was like, yeah, you know, he goes, what are you guys doing? They go, well, we're not doing nothing. We do put out an album, but she's the myth killed it. He goes, you put out a new album? Oh, and like, wow. If somebody in the loop doesn't know, that's how much they killed it. Wow. But fuck them, they're assholes. And they're currently reissuing uh, some of your other records. Yeah, well, you can't, you know, you get stuck in this situation, you can't do anything about that. Right. When you're under a certain contract, or you know, you really just have to sweat it out. And, and if they don't, you can just sit there and flip them off. That's all you can really do. Is there going to be a new Vitus record? No, I have no clue. Dude, I'm 61 years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm living with Corona. Who knows? Yeah, you know? that's fair. I drink Miller High Life, so I should be all right. I don't drink Corona. <laughs> what about, like, a St. Vitus documentary? All these bands have documentaries. Well, actually, I, I would love to do that, and I know a person who does those things. Um, I haven't asked about it. You know, obviously, this is a terrible time. But um, yeah. no, no, I actually, yeah, I have thought about that before. And um, I think that would be really cool, Yeah, especially if this person does it. Um, I would was thinking about the girl that did the mentors one. Um, that would be like really cool. I asked her, and she was, yeah, you know, but, you know, shit like that takes like years to do. So the person has to be committed because if we're going to do it right, you have to talk to like all these other people. Right. You know, you know what I mean? It's like writing a book. You can't just do it. You have to have like other people's input. I, I actually, I would really dig that because I think a lot of people don't understand things. But is there footage? Do you have a lot of footage? Not really. That's, that would be a thing that would be hard with a documentary. Excuse me on us. Um, if the person who is doing it, Obviously, they would have to search through research and archives, but there was never, because, you know, that's the thing with, like, um, like all the bands from back then. People didn't film stuff on, on like, cell phones and yeah. this and that. There was no YouTube. You know, it's like you can't go and, oh, I want to see the concert uh, from Jeff Otoa in 75 on YouTube. That's not going to be there. Right. You know, so I want to see St. Vitus from 1980 and so and so, or like St. Vitus when we toured with Black Flag through Canada in the freezing cold when you guys had record blizzards in <laughs> 1984. You're not going to, we have that one show, the, the Marbles in the Mosh Pit show from London, right. of all places. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I don't know how in the hell someone filled that that kind of stuff would be hard to find with someone like us. It would be more interviews with people right. and still photos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, cross our fingers and hope that 
that we get to see that. I someday. would love to do that. I think it would. I think it would be really funny. To yeah. be honest with you, I think it would be probably the funniest of all of the the metal. Maybe Anvils might be funnier because Anvils is really funny. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite ones. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. So great. Yeah, yeah. That's a great band. I love that band. Yeah, for sure. Did you ever play with them? No. I think we were almost going to do a festival thing with them, but they canceled or we canceled or something. But, you know, when you do a festival with people, you actually never really do it with them. Right, yeah. Because it's usually they're on the other day. Every single festival I've ever done, the bands I wanted to see were on the other day or at a time where it was impossible for me to get to the other stage or whatever to see. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you, Brent. Thank you so much. All right. First thing I got to say is, Dave, like, we'll talk about the cover art in a bit, but Dave takes the cake on the cover of this record, and I love how you brought it up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's awesome. My favorite thing about that is when they're talking about the cop showing up. And Armando knew them from when he used to be a cop. Yeah, he's like, it'll be cool, guys. It'll be cool. Yeah, great interview. Pretty sad when he's talking about Mark, you know. I think he says something like, you know, if if Mark, the plan was it was going to be me and Mark to the end, you know. Yeah, it's still nice to hear that, you know, but for health issues, these guys would be rocking until they're, you know, six feet under. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully, it sounds like maybe, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but sounds like Dave was pretty put out by his, you know, recent experience with his record label, and that's unfortunate. Um, I don't think you're putting words in his mouth at all. Yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty clear about it, but it, it would be a shame if that, you know, soured him on continuing on, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. And you, you did like, wasn't that in your top 10 of last year? Yeah. I loved that record, man. Yeah. Yeah. He made it sound like St. Vitus fans didn't even know that it was out. And that's a huge shame. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the tracks, Ryan? Yeah, man. History lesson part two. So side a weird that, you know, the first track, on side a is not the title track for uh for this album or ep i should say yeah the track listing's different on the born too late cd and on the cassette in what way does thirsty and miserable start those out well the cd they're tacked onto the end of the cd right yeah the cd starts with thirsty and miserable then look behind you then the end of the end so ah and i think the cassette's the same okay it may have been because of the track length though i don't know probably yeah i don't know i don't know what like i'm just guessing because both sides are around six minutes each yeah that's true well let's talk about the tracks uh the end of the end written by dave chandler uh i like this track Wynel's vocals are great as always armando is such a solid drummer always plays really tasty stuff like you know how he's hitting the ride during the main riff oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool middle section uh, great solo from Dave a uh, song about nuclear destruction and envir- and kind of environmental disaster this track's close to 6 minutes long pretty interesting track there's no chorus yeah there's just uh, the little turnarounds that act like a chorus but not quite yeah and then we're flipping it over and we've got Thirsty and Miserable written by Des Kadena Medea and Robo. Uh, I believe Medea Jones contributed some lyrics to this track and also the Black Flag song Room 13. I'm sure we've mentioned this before. She was Greg Ginn's girlfriend at the time of that Damaged was being recorded. The original version of this is of course on Damaged and also the A-side of a Unicorn SST co-release, the 700 copy 7-inch single Live at Target video which was given out at the Licorice Pizza record store. Um, Starts with a really satisfying burp. (laughs) This version does. I love this version. Uh, I picked out 
um, Wino sings the the line, Dezo wants a ride to the liquor store. Yeah. Cool that Dez. Pretty yeah, cool. man, just go ahead, go ahead and cover it. Yeah. I like the part where Wino's going, oh, fuck. It's kind of reminds me a lot of like the Black Sabbath Aussie thing, like going, oh, God, help me. Oh, okay. On, on the song Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of made me think of like this, I don't know, theory that I've I've seen a few people put forward that I probably agree with, that the two black bands, Black Sabbath and Black Flag, are like the absolute masters of their genres, you know? Like Black, black Sabbath in, invented heavy metal and Black Flag, you know, was the hardcore band. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What other black bands are the uh, are, are are like that to the genre? Well, I don't know the Black Crows. That's the only one that came to my mind. Like they probably for that southern rock and roll sound. Yeah. No, it's Black Flag and Black Sabbath, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. these guys definitely have got some uh, serious. Uh, influence from Black Sabbath, but like in a really good way. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Track three, uh, the second song on the B-side, Look Behind You, written by Dave Chandler. We first heard this on the Blasting Concept 2, yep. which is SST 043. The first track on that album, actually, if you want to hear, uh, hear it. Um, love that song. Love this song. Um, I also have the bootleg of the 1979 Tyrant demo that this is on. It's much slower and a little more primitive. Uh, and it's got Dave on vocals. It's before Scott Riegers was in the band. Uh, but it's much the same structure of the song. Uh, I have to give this, give the edge, I think, to the Scott Riegers version of this song, though. It's just so much creepier with him on vocals. I love Wino, don't get me wrong. This version's great, but... If I had to pick, I'd probably go with the, the Blasting Concept 2 version. Hmm. Well, thank goodness you don't have to pick. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. That's it. That's the tunes, man. Now, Ryan, you're obsessed with the obsessed. Where are you with Vitus? Oh, uh, I'm not that obsessed with Vitus. I mean, I, I have said this before. I can tell that they're a good band. It's not quite... And, and I can tell why people really, really love them and really respect them and how they were, you know, like the first of their kind for this era, for sure, too. So I get all of that hugely influential. Right. Um, and I know they're good and I know their records are good. I can tell. But it's just not up my alley. And uh, I guess I'm not as obsessed with St. Vitus as I am with the obsessed right now. How about that? That's fair. That's fair. Let's talk about the cover art, Ryan, because this is like some of my favorite artwork on we've seen yet, for sure. Yeah, these photos are just absolutely incredible. Hey, uh, that photo that Dave mentions in the interview, that unseen picture where he's like, that was taken across from the street from this at the vet hospital where he's picking lice out of like Mark's hair or whatever. Yeah. He sent he sent me a picture of oh, it. Oh, nice! So we're gonna post that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave is just like on the front cover. He's totally in a pose down, but like in full yeah. metal punk. Just so many people would want to look that cool, but just yeah. can't. Just yeah. can't. He like, still looks like that too. Yeah, myself included. <laughs> like bandana. The hair, the mirror shades, the germ shirt just is the perfect. It's the Coupe de Gracie for the outfit, the bullet belt. It's awesome. Awesome. He, he's got the bars tattooed too. Wow. Yeah. That is hardcore. Yeah, man. Yeah, and he still looks like that. He's still rocking the hair. So do you know who the rest of the guys are in the picture? You probably do, hey? Yep. Mar Armando's the guy uh, next to Dave there. 
to Dave's right in that suave shirt with the handlebar mustache. With the uh, the skull and co- crossbones belt buckle there. Yep. Is that the um, the skull and crossbones from the Overkill? It looks like it to me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then Wino, of course, with the sleeveless sleeveless vest there. Yeah. Looking like a, you know, an extra from a from a biker movie. Oh, for sure. And he's got um, it looks like a a cross tattoo with it looks like um, some chains around his arm <laughs> on uh, on the tattoo on the one there, and then I can't tell what's on his forearm. Yeah, and then Mark Adams beside him with the Alice Cooper T-shirt. Is that a is that a pretty famous Alice Cooper image, like from one of the albums that you would recognize? Mm, not from one of the albums, no. Looks like he's hanging up on a rope or something, eh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Look at their the three guys. Their boots. They're, I know. They just look like biker boots, eh? Oh yeah, for sure. I love I love the Saint Vitus logo too, man. Love it. Yeah, all the curls and stuff. It's so metal. Yeah. It's like, you know. Did all of those like Norwegian black and white doom metal bands just ape the St. Vitus calligraphy look or what? I, th- I think you mean black metal. Or bands. whatever it is. Is that black metal? <laughs> the church burners, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all stole this, right? I guess kind of, yeah. I'm going to say they stole yeah. it. Except their their crosses are, are turned around. <laughs> They're upside down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, should we flip it over? Oh yeah. Now the back what is is I mean, I guess they're they're no longer thirsty and miserable. <laughs> is that what's going on? I guess not. They've split a looks like a like a two four of bud maybe of cans yeah their their yeah. thirst has been quenched i would say they drank a whole flat of budweiser except for dave he's got a huge bud in his hand there yeah it looks like a display type of thing right or is that a real one of those yeah. like novelty cans that would actually have beer in it oh geez i don't know open at 6 a.m which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> the thirsty club yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, awesome picture. Yeah, I bet you it would have been hot in those uh, in the denim outfits. Oh yeah, man. super. There's a reason like Armando and and Wino are, you know, letting it all hang out. What are those? Um, what what are those, what's the stuff on Dave's boot that kind of goes under the tread? Are those those uh, like biker boot stirrups yeah. that you put on there? I'd say so, yeah. And that's what Wino's got on too, right? Yeah. Man, those are killer. Look at Armando's like the deep V shirt that's really showing it there when he's lying on his back. Yeah. Don't you got to unbutton those top four buttons, man. I love that. Yeah, they're the real deal, man. Oh, man. I can, you know what? And when you look at the, um, you don't have the the 12-inch. I've got the 12-inch. And have you looked at the label on the actual vinyl? Yeah, it's... It says it's signed by like D Vitus, which I'm assuming is Dave. Yeah. But, and it's a, like a, a can of beer that has SV on it, like the St. Vitus beer. And then it says yeah. genuine metal established 1978 on the beer can. This little doodle, doodle of the dude with the beer belly. That was their tour shirt for the born too thirsty tour. Okay. That dude was on the shirt. It's got all the lyrics on the back of the jacket, which is cool. Yep. Definitely, like, when you read the end of the end and look behind you, lyrics, and then you compare those to Thirsty and Miserable, you can totally tell it's different uh, different writers. What's the little spiel there on the back? Oh, it says about how uh, Vitus thanks all at SST Records, Global Network, Total Access, Naomi Peterson, who took the pictures, of course, Carducci, Mike Lardy, Jim Mancuso, and a very special thanks to Tom's Thirsty Club, 2705 and a half Artesia Boulevard, Redondo Beach. Okay, this is going to be like 
probably the third time I've quizzed you on this, Ryan. Do you remember what band Mike Lardy was in? <laughs> uh, it was it was some metal band in the eighties, right? Am I close? Uh, like a hard rock band. Yeah. What was what was their name? Great White. Yeah, I'll never remember that. Never ever. Why would I? I don't need to remember that. Was uh was David Coverdale in Great White? No, he was in White Snake. Oh, a different White, and, not Great White. White Snake. Sorry. Sorry to all the favorite Coverdale fans out there. <laughs> Great White's big claim to fame is they covered that, what's his name, Mott the Hoople, Ian Hunter song, uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy. That was their big oh, hit. Oh, my, 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 Once Bitten, Twice Shy? That's yeah. like a hair metal song, man, isn't it? Well, Ian Hunter wrote it. Okay. It's an Ian Hunter song. Yeah, but I mean, it got famous in the 80s with the lipstick Great and hair White. Sp- hairspray, right? Great White yeah. covered it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Man, oh man. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll take Vitus any day over Great White or White Snake, 100%. Hey man, the White Snake stuff from like the early 70s, like Love Hunter and stuff, that's good. When he first left Deep Purple, that stuff's good. I'll have to take your word for it. It's good. You don't like Deep Purple? Uh, not really. What? What? Oh man, you should, like, check out the stuff from when Dave Coverdale was singing, like, the album Burn. You've never heard Burn? I've heard the one in rock. Like, isn't that the big one? Dude, listen to the Deep Purple album Burn. You'll like it. I guarantee you'll like it. Ugh, I don't really want to listen to Deep Purple, man. Man, I'm telling you, you'd like it. I'm telling you right now. Okay. I'm just not in the mood for that right now. Well, get in the mood. Wait till you're in the mood. <laughs> wait till you're in the mood for something rocking and funky and put that on. They brought the funk on that album, man. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Glenn Hughes on bass, man. The voice of rock. Bringing the white boy funk. It's good. Trust me. Uh, well, we'll I'm see. telling you. We'll see. We'll see. You told me last week you check out everything I recommend. This is an official recommend. Okay. That means you have to check it out. And okay, so I do. And I apt and I absolutely do check out everything that you recommend. So this is a deep purple record called what? Burn. Is that before or after in rock? It's after in rock. Okay. When Ian Gillen left the band and David Coverdale came in on vocals. Okay. Is yeah. this the same Coverdale from Coverdale Page? Yes. Ah oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay then. I'll listen, I'll check it out. I won't I'm not promising to listen to it all though. Okay. I'll give it a YouTube sniff and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey man, you're working from home. You have time. You can just stream the whole thing hey, on YouTube. I'm listening I'm listening to my backlog. Like I said, I was listening to uh Mojo Nixon, a bunch of new Mint Mile records that I got and uh now I'm on to uh a reptile house record because I I'm gonna g- get primed for a big lungfish, um, binge over the next couple of days. What a, what? A, and now you want to sneak in deep purple? You've got it all planned out. I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, uh, do we want to go to the ballot result? Yeah, man. Ballot result. This one's all you. No, I want to hear what you, what your pick would have been. Oh, it would be probably thirsty and miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I listen, I like the Vitus. I like the vibe. I'm not going to be like a mega fan like you are. Um, and I like the original tracks on here, but again, um, just the familiarity and I love the way that they do the song. I love it like low and slow. It's, it's got a cool, um, swung beat to it that, uh, is, it really works for the song for me, but what would you go with? I want to go with look behind you. Cause I can almost guarantee you, I wanted to put that in for the blasting concept too. <laughs> and what did you get up? What was it? Blasting concept two? Was it? The I think Doo probably song? Husker do. Yeah. It's probably the Husker do song. I, th- so I, I think you put that. your foot down. You put your foot down on that one. Yeah. So here you go. <laughs> this is case in point, you know, 
50 episodes later, Brent is always waiting to get his comeuppance. There you go. <laughs> I had this one marked on my calendar. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> oh, man. Ryan, what's next week? Brent, you know, I, I started off the episode by saying there's no... Hold on. <laughs> Actually, Ryan, what's next month? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I started off the episode by saying there's no better way to... Uh, social distance or self-isolate and i'm gonna throw in quarantine than uh binging mojack except for starting a month of zoog's rift records we're starting with uh sst 120 the zoog's rift lp ipecac oh we're listening we're living in crazy times right now ryan so i can't think of anything better than going through a zoog's rift uh binge and we've got a special guest ryan mark myler's going to be on the podcast yes santa's on a diet let's get into it hey everyone thanks for listening you can find us on facebook instagram twitter tumblr all at mojack pod we post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show our blog is mojackpod.com please check it out for some exclusive content If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.